Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. You're with Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, let's get it done. It's Monday the 13th of November 2023. Uh, it is TNT Radio and this is Locked and Loaded. I am Rick Munn and Gemma Cooper and also the wonderful Karen Hunt. She'll be joining me in a minute or two just to chew the fat, as it were, to chew the proverbial fat. Before we get to those ladies, uh, something I saw yesterday, a life lesson that I want to impart with you people as well. It's called How I Learned to Mind My Own business okay so it's very very important in this life to be able to mind your own business so here's a lesson on how someone learned to mind their own business i was walking past a mental hospital the other day and all the patients were shouting 13 13 13 13 the fence was too high to see over but i saw a little gap in the planks so i looked through to see what was going on and someone poked me in the eye with a sharp stick and then they all started shouting, 14, 14, 14, 14. So what's the moral of the story here? It may be tempting to peek through the fence. It may be tempting to look over the fence when you hear something going on, but it doesn't involve you. And the lesson of the story is be prepared to get a sharp stick in the eye if that's the case. And one of my favorite proverbs in the Bible, it says, he that passes by trouble and interferes is like someone who grabs a dog by the ears. Okay, so if you don't know what will happen, go grab a dog by the ears and see what happens. That's what happens when you start to interfere in business that does not belong to you. So that's a little life lesson that I would like to impart to you here this morning. Uh, also briefly, Irish News Garda Commissioner Drew Harris outlines his uh, plans. Garda being the Irish police force, by the way, for any of you non-Irish people out there, Garda Commissioner Drew Harris outlines his plans to reduce bureaucracy with Angarda Shikana to prevent further exodus of officers. So they're leaving uh, the Irish police force in droves at the minute because of bureaucracy, red tape, and some of the ways that they're having to operate. And senior Garda have warned uh, Justice Minister Helen McEntee that all senior ranks will be filled by non-nationals unless pension rules are reformed. So you're actually seeing an outpouring of Irish people from the Irish police force because of various issues, and they could potentially be replaced by non-Irish nationalists, which will be insane to have an Irish police force that's uh, policed by non-Irish nationals. But listen, it's on the cards here, and we can't rule anything out because that's just the madness that's happening uh, in Ireland at this particular time. So we're going to take a real brief pause and we're going to introduce Gemma here and we're going to see what's on the, the table for discussion here this morning on TNT Radio. Engaged and informed conversation. They say what I'm thinking. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. TNT. Uh, interfering in other people's business, Gemma, is it something you're prone to doing or do you have uh, no sharp sticks poking in your eyes this morning? <laughs> Well, what kind of worms you have opened with that one, Rick? I mean, before I had my kind of spiritual download, awakening, I mean, what call it what you want, I had one, there's no doubt about that. Um, my ego loved, loved interfering in everybody else's business, loved, loved, relished telling people how to live their lives. Now, I look back at that version of myself that I was programmed into, and I cringe 
beyond measure at the point that I was a horror. You know, I I really was programmed into it that I thought best and that everyone should adhere to my worldview. And I would just think, oh my God. So yes, I have been exceptionally guilty of interfering and meddling in other people's lives. God knows what people thought. I, mean, <laughs> I shudder to think. Uh, now I adopt a far more, you know, can I be of service and how can mm. I help? And if the answer is I don't need your help and I, you're, I'm fine and you know, being of service enables people to figure out the, you know, the problems in their own lives and, and work it out for themselves. Far be it from another human being to tell another human being that, what they need to do to sort out their, their lives. It's up to them. But yeah, Rick, if you'd have known me 20 years ago, you would have crossed the street, I can assure you. <laughs> well, you see the whole thing. I mean, like, I think it's something we've all been guilty of, but uh, I'm of the belief at this point in my life that if, if there's business that I need to take care of in my life and set my own house in order, I don't have time to get involved in telling other people how to live their lives, pretty much. And believe me, I have a lot still to work on. So I'm more than occupied at the moment, uh, keeping myself on the straight and narrow and trying to do what's right in my own house, let alone worrying about that. But yeah, in the past spent too much time and energy interfering in stuff that's nothing to do with me or as old solomon says it's like taking a dog by the ears and uh, like the guy who kicked the bear <laughs> when he kicked that bear uh he got the surprise of the day so my advice is don't grab a dog by the ears any either no matter what breed it is you're liable to get your nose ripped off so same thing applies with minding your own business or as the saying goes keeping your nose out of other people's business. Maybe that's where that one originates from. I don't know. Uh, we have something to talk about here this morning. Sadly, welfare cuts uh, worth billions are now being planned by uh, ministers within the UK. What's the lowdown on this one? Well, this has come to my attention this morning, and it's something that you and I talk about at length here on Locked and Loaded. And I think it's just really a, a, an illustration of like, you know, if someone was tuning into TNT for the first time and that which people are doing more and more by the way but if they turned into the, the first time and they were listening to us saying you know governments don't care about us we're at the bottom uh, there's a you know that the elite are in control and they really that pay lip service to us people think well that's a bit conspiratorial i mean i think our governments do care this is another example of how they really don't so today it's been announced that ministers are drawing up whole scale benefit changes that's welfare effectively if you're in america and um for people who are too ill to work uh, currently if you are, have a chronic health condition you have a universal credit but you also have something called a work capability assessment which is an extra payment that you get if on top of your universal credit here in the uk if you really have got a condition that means you either you know you can have very limited work or you can't work at all now unsurprisingly this costs a lot of money taxpayers money and so the ministers have now announced we want to uh, scrap a lot of this work capability assessment uh, it will save four billion they want to bring it in by 2025 we're only a few weeks away from 2024 so that's quite a swift progress actually i have to say and, and it means that if, if this goes through people with chronic depression chronic anxiety or if you're waiting for an operation even waiting for an operation you will be forced to look for work and if they assess you and think you're not looking hard enough they will cut your benefits further. Now, you and I have talked at length about the amount of money that's being plowed into the Middle East, the amount of money that's been plowed into Ukraine, the amount of money that's been printed willy-nilly and is just being sent off to fund these wars that most taxpayers don't want to fund. They want to see peace. They don't want to see war, but it's taxpayers' money. But basically, it's another way of just the government sticking two fingers up at the people at the bottom, the most vulnerable in society, and saying, right, we want more money for things that we want to fund. We'll take it off you. Um, and what is very, very startling 
is the figures. Um, in 2021, the amount of people that were too unwell to work were 21% of the, of, of the people mm. seeking benefits. It's now 65%. So if ever there's an indication that society is making us sick and anxious and depressed, it's there in black and white. Um, and also they're saying, we want more people in work. We want more people in work. But of course they do. Because if we're not at the bottom, the 99% propping up the pyramid, they haven't got any money to fund the wars. They haven't got any money to help their billionaire friends and their corporate friends. We are the ones propping it all up. That's why they want us all back in work. Never mind that you're so depressed you can barely get out of bed. Don't worry about that. You'll have to because you don't have no money. So it's just another illustration of how the system absolutely does not care about the people on the ground. You know, and the people that don't have a choice or a voice, which I'm always saying here on this show. Um, so I saw it this morning. It was a very depressing headline and lots of depressing statistics. I'm not surprised, but I hope that these really callous proposals do garner some reaction from the British public, many of whom with those figures, 65% of people can't work. You know, we'll look and think, well, that's my uncle. He's waiting for yeah. a heart operation. He can't go to work. I'm hopeful it might be a catalyst for many to go, what's the government doing? I hope so, at least. Yeah, the interest in those figures there, uh, I was just looking at them as you uh, read them out about the jump in people uh, from 21% in 2011 up to 65% in 2022. So in 11 years, it went up from 20 to 65% portion of claimants too unwell to work. So there's obviously something wrong here. And even uh, one of the stories from the last hour that had seen that four sheriffs, LA Sheriff counties. Uh, employees all killed themselves over the weekend. I don't know. Maybe it was just a complete coincidence or maybe it was a terrible place to work. There's other stories that I'm seeing this morning here about people uh, who are just calling in sick all the time because they can't face the thought of going into an office environment while they're already depressed. And listen, this is nothing new in and of itself. Most people wake up on Monday and think, oh no, have to get through today, have to get through this week. But it seems to be there's more people can't do that now and they're saying i'm falling in sick i'm going off long-term sick or i'm I'm just uh i'm gonna just sign off because i can't function anymore and it seems to be going the wrong direction these numbers are growing exponentially rather than getting worse or even remaining static it's a little bit like nhs waiting lists you think about them they're going up by roughly uh what is it a million a year so it was six million in 2021 seven million in 2022. Now it looks like it's heading towards 8 million people waiting for uh, surgery or care on the NHS to prevent pain or to keep them alive. It's going the wrong way. So I don't know how the government can put any kind of positive spin on this. In this case, they're not. They're actually saying they're going to cut benefits. Uh, and and on, on the back off, a cost of living crisis. So things are getting more expensive as they're planning to cut benefits. But of course, come the new year, Rishi will put up another bullet point slide from number 10 Downing Street, how he's going to have inflation and he's going to stop the small boats and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. They're doing nothing, Gemma, except squeezing people that can't really afford to be squeezed at the minute. And it doesn't look like their uh, modus operandi is going to change anytime soon. It doesn't. And what would be wonderful is if we saw a lot of altruistic MPs here in this country say, well, cut my pay, cut my pay so that these poor people, these vulnerable people, people with chronic health conditions, we're talking because you have to be chronic to get signed off. They, you know, you don't get signed off just for, a, a you know, a headache. You, you, the doctor does assess you and people are, you're quite right. They're, 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 they can't face the world. They can't face the office. It's because they're toxic to the human spirit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it's making people sick. Our way of life is making us sick. So wouldn't it be nice if an MP just said, look, 
cut cut 10 grand off my pay this year and, and help people get back into it properly. Let's give them support. Let's give them encouragement. Let's help them. Let's not just penalize them for what? For being ill, for having a human reaction against the way we're forced to live in this world. From the minute we step into the education system, we're forced to live in this world and it makes us ill. It really does. So yeah, if only MPs would do that, we'd actually like them. But no, I don't see yeah. that day coming. No, it's a, uh, they won't lead by example. They won't take a cut. Their, their pay, I, I would imagine, has done nothing but increase over the last few years. They give themselves big pay rises. They give themselves bonuses. Talking about reinstating or taking away a cap from bankers' bonuses for City of London workers. So that old adage of the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer is happening. And you know, if you are struggling financially as well, it can have a terrible effect on your mental health. If you're living in poverty or if you're up to your eyes in debt, which maybe a lot of these people are. So so it's just heaping uh, pressure on pressure on pressure. And now uh, they're waking up maybe their letter coming through from the local office to say, look, sorry, Gemma, sorry, Rick, your benefits are now being cut as well. Maybe something that you depended on just to make ends meet uh, come month to month. So, yeah, maybe they won't come through with this. Maybe it'll be like the smart highways or maybe it'll be like uh, heat pumps. Uh, they won't follow through with this one, but time will tell like everything else. So we're going to wrap it up there as per now. So big thank you to you, Gemma Cooper, as always for bringing it to us this morning and all being well. We'll talk again tomorrow morning and stay tuned, please. Uh, Karen Hunt is incoming here only on TNT Radio. Don't go away. You should hear what Patrick Henningsen's talking about. So all the Israelis are really escalating air attacks and bombing attacks uh, to a degree that we haven't even seen before. Why this escalation? Why is it happening right now? This is a big problem. And this has been going on now for four weeks, ladies and gentlemen. And still no calls for a ceasefire, no definitive or categorical calls anyway from the U.S. leadership, from those who, from the onset, let's face it, they were backing this military action by Israel uh, on the Gaza Strip. And everybody thought, well, how bad could it be? How long could it go? Here we are month later we're still here we're still talking to you we're still reporting this and another hospital was uh, hit last night as well well over 30 medical facilities and hospitals have been uh, hit and uh, taken out of action in some cases pulverized by the israeli occupation forces or the idf as it's uh, widely known patrick henningson on today's news talk tnt radio military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country and for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels like they're really there. We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob recognize daddy again after a long time just melted my heart. And now, as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org. It's time to switch on today's news talk radio. Very entertaining. Yeah. TNT. Okay, okay, okay. It's K-H Mezek time, a.k.a. Karen Hunt. 
it's lovely to have her back in the studio again, Karen. What what a time, what a time to be alive. Uh, before we dig into that, uh, let me just introduce you to our lovely listeners. Anyone that's not familiar with you, uh, Karen is a fighter. She's a writer. She's a renegade. She's been banned from lots of things and lots of places. She's been cancelled. Uh, she says no surrender in her bio on her ex-profile. She bows to no man and refuses the blue check. Uh, so, yeah, why not? Uh, you can follow her if you do use the X platform, by the way, at Karen Alane, A-L-A-I-N-E, Hunt, uh, on the X platform. But more importantly, should I say, uh, I want to direct you towards her Substack page, which is K-H-Mezek, M-E-Z-E-K, dot Substack.com. She is a very prolific writer. I don't know when she finds time to eat, sleep, or even breathe. She's always typing on that keyboard of hers by the looks of things. And she also uh, does a lovely voiceover. So when she writes an essay, she also uh, narrates it. And you can listen to her uh, reading it out, or you can read it there. So please, if you don't, follow her on substack.com and subscribe and support her if you can, because uh, she's doing a great job and she's super dedicated the most dedicated guest I've ever had on Locked and Loaded, by the way. It's currently 3.20 a.m. where she is, and she's not sleeping. She's not snoozing. She's up on Adam talking to me this morning. Karen, how the hell are you? Fabulous. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm. Just, it's great to be up at 3 a.m. That's why I wore my boxing <laughs> shirt. Yeah. So it give me a little, yeah, it give me a little punch there. So yeah, it's really great to see you. Yeah, likewise, likewise. And I found out uh, just as an off chance to say this to you, you were doing an interview with uh, Hervoy Morich on uh, TNT Radio, and you were talking about your dad, uh, Dave Hunt, and he was a very uh, prolific author. And lo and behold, I thought, Dave Hunt? Dave Hunt, I know that name somewhere. So I went to the old bookcase and lo and behold, I have one of his tomes in there that I bought when I was in my early 20s called Occult Invasion by none other than your dad. Can you believe yes. that? Dave Hunt, I didn't realize that was your dad. Yeah, nor did, nor did he. And he was like, what? Huh? Dave Hunt is your dad? And so he, we had to talk about it because, um, and it's been amazing that so many people, so many of my subscribers have told me how much my dad influenced their lives. And it's been really, really gratifying to hear that. Um, he passed away a few years ago. Mm -hmm. But like I always say, oh, he would he would really be in the thick of it if he were alive today. Mm. Yeah, he would. Well, he would, in, a way, he in would... a way, he is, because the, the, those books, let me just tell you this, I had a massive clear out of the, the library, my little personal library. I had a big clear out of books that I don't read anymore. But that book was one that I held on to. And then when my daughter started getting interested in various types of music and one thing and another, uh, I gave her that book. Actually, she mm. has it now in her bedroom uh, as, a, as a reference point, or at least an alternative reference point to what's actually happening in the world now, without going into details. But she now is reading your dad's book. I benefited from it when I was in my 20s. So although he's gone now, he's passed <laughs> away physically, uh, very much his stuff still lives on. And internet videos as well. Yeah. There was a there was a friend of mine, my wife's sent her a video the other night of your dad talking uh, <laughs> some decades ago, completely unrelated. And she said, we've just been talking about Dave Hunt. So there you go. He may be uh, gone physically, but his messages is still very much live on. A bit like yourself with your writing. You may die but your stuff's still out there uh, for the world to see. Yeah, and I think that's a really 
also a very gratifying thing is when you, you know, I always had a feeling from when I was very little that I did want to do something with my life, you know, that would that would be meaningful. I've had that feeling since I was small. I remember as a as a little girl, maybe, you know, seven years old, uh, just feeling this, this, this terrible like weight on me because uh, I'd heard so much in church and everything about you know the suffering in the world and mm-hmm. and and all of this and and I would go and sometimes I would go and run to my dad's study where he was working late at night on his books and I would and I would ask him why is you know why is the world like this why if God is so you know loving and so merciful you know why is there so much suffering in the world and he he always had time to talk to me and and uh you know, and he always had a very, very loving spirit and a very caring spirit. And, and as I got older, then we started traveling around the world mm-hmm. and had all these incredible adventures while he was gaining inspiration for his books. And so I actually saw a lot of that suffering firsthand. We were in the Middle East. We were in, um, we were actually in Cairo in, in Egypt mm-hmm. days before the Six Day War. And we actually literally escaped out of the country and across the border from Syria into Turkey right before they were closing all the borders. So I have all these experiences that I draw on and I sort of weave some of those stories in, into my into my essays. And and that is something to leave behind as a legacy uh, you know when I when I'm gone, you know, the, the way that my father has done that as well. So so and I and I tell some stories about my dad and I think his work might have a resurgence now because he spoke a lot about exactly what's mm-hmm. happening now. So it's quite mm-hmm. it's quite powerful. It is. Uh, we were talking uh, last week uh, on the show as well. Uh, you know, that uh, actor, Matthew Perry, had died, the guy from Friends. Mm-hmm. And obviously it doesn't matter to a lot of people. You know, it's, you know, just another news story. But for some people, uh, they got a lot of pleasure and uh, fun and enjoyment out of Friends. And they, they said it's helping us uh, to go back and rewatch those episodes because, you know, the guy's not really dead in our eyes. He's he's, he's immortalized. And, you know, his, his work, his output it was the same with Eddie Van Halen, you know, the, the rock band Van yes. Halen. Well, back in the, I have a great picture of Eddie Van Halen uh, in the studio. Now, this was back in the 80s, long before he died. But he says, I'll never die. You just press play and I'm always there with you. So I know physically they're gone and whatnot. But what I'm trying to say is we can leave a legacy as such. If you have got ideas and opinions or knowledge that you want to share, if you write it down or you publish it or even stick it on the internet now, it's there permanently, or you make videos or you you do narratives about what you believe in or messages like your dad preached, for example, that are still doing the rounds decades after he first spoke them. Uh, it's In a strange way, it's good to have that tool there because it will always have a, a bank of information and a bank of reference points that we can go back to and revisit or even if anything happens to us, your stuff will always be there whether or not you continue writing or not you've left this huge uh you know back catalog of work that's freely available for people to feel of and i think that's a powerful thing i think that also uh you know they they are trying to destroy our stories mm-hmm. our histories our our faith all of these things mm-hmm. that are very important and so i think you know re- even just retelling stories I've, i i tell mm-hmm. my readers my my listeners 
you know, if you have stories that you remember from your childhood, your grandparents, tell those stories to your children. Pass on something of of your uh, of of a strong uh, foundation for your own family, so that you know when times get really tough and they they start hearing, no, that's not true. You know, you shouldn't you shouldn't hark back to those times. You know, those things aren't important. Here's a new story for you. Here's a new sort of religion or or what have you mm. um, that they have something to hold on to that reminds them because our world is is really um, you know the the youth of today they have no memory of a time before the before devices before uh, these things were 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 speaking to them constantly and telling them what to think and what to feel and what to say and there and there was a time before that when we had our imaginations and we created our own stories and i think um you know it, it's very very important to continue that on for generations mm -hmm. to come i do too actually and in fact uh, you talk about uh your experiences or being in africa up in egypt as well and you know, I, i've spent a lot of time there as well in rural areas and there's very much an art the storytelling, there's very much a community thing where people get together, especially at night, because there's no electric, there's no TV, there's no other distractions, people sitting around a campfire talking about their history, their heritage, uh, what they did when they were younger. And, you know, you had nothing else to do but sit and listen to these great storytellers imparting their stories from generation down to generation. And sadly, as much as the internet can preserve what we're doing, it also kills that Art of conversation to a degree and kills that uh, mm -hmm. storytelling ability in the flesh. But uh, everything, it's uh, swings and roundabouts. It's got its good points and it's got its bad points. We're going to take a little break right now, just for 30 seconds. And when we come back, let's look at some of the stuff that's going on globally uh, that has transpired even since the last time we spoke. Wars, wars, rumors of wars, they're all happening at the minute. Yeah, almost some people would say it's been written about somewhere before and it's all coming to pass right now. So we'll have a quick gander at that. When we come back here on TNT, please don't go away. And here's the news. Extra, extra. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland with a look at your TNT headlines. Religious tensions exploded in Australia over the weekend as pro-Palestinian protesters clashed with members of a Jewish community in Melbourne. There appears to have been a major shift in language down under, with Canberra now calling on Israel to stop its harrowing bombardment of Gaza. And just days after seemingly endorsing him as his potential vice president, Donald Trump has made his first public appearance with Tucker Carlson. Silence for thinking differently? Not here. Silence for asking questions? Not here. Silence for discussing the other side of the story? Not on TNT Radio. Join the conversation anytime. Search TNT Radio on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Getter, or Gab. Download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, no escaping it. Uh, since the last time we spoke, October the 7th, I believe it was, there was an attack in Israel. Hamas crossed the border, caused a lot of pain, suffering, and death. Uh, Israel obviously have struck back since then. They're bombing uh, Gaza. Everybody seems to be getting involved with this one. Everybody has an opinion in this one. But what interests me in this, Karen, is, and maybe we'll look at the uh, the mentality behind a lot of this, it seems to have caused a lot more polarization and a lot more division in the space of, what, the last four weeks than the entire 
uh, Ukraine-Russia conflict, in my eyes anyway, combined over almost the last two years. Uh, and it doesn't look like it's going to abate anytime soon. Uh, I can't see there being any um, ceasefires anytime soon, despite the fact that people are starting to call for them at the minute. And more and more countries are getting sucked into this, you know, Syria and uh Iran and, you know, Lebanon and Egypt and the surrounding areas. And of course, NATO, China sending uh, warships into the region, America sending warships into the region. There seems to be an amassing of forces in and around the Middle East at the minute. Uh, is it just much ado about nothing or is it something we should be extremely concerned about indeed? Oh, well, I think that's the easy one to answer. <laughs> we need to be very concerned about this. Um, I remember, I've, I think I've said this before, one of the, I don't remember a lot from my ed education as a child. We don't remember a lot. But I remember my teacher, my social studies teacher when I was maybe 11 or 12 years old. And that was when communism was the big thing. That was the big fear, saying that, mark my words, it will be fascism that is going to take over and and i don't know why i remembered that but it's stuck in my head until this day uh, nobody would have believed it back then but that is definitely you know and people throw these words around now um very easily you know accusing one another of these things but it's definitely a rise of you know this anti-semitism and this polarization i've talked about it a lot in my essays warning about this extremism that they are pushing us towards extremism. And I gave, I've given the example of, you know, when you're uh, having worked with youth in, in prison for, for quite a few years, uh, if you go to prison, if you're in a prison, you are forced into choosing a side. If you do not choose a side, you, you die. You know, you're, you have, to, you might not agree with the far right extremists, <laughs> the white supremacists, but yeah. you're going to align with them if you're white. You might not agree with the whatever gang on the other side, but you're going to find someone to align with. Um, I have another story to tell, a very mm -hmm. powerful story. One of the youth uh, in my, in one of my writing classes, I, I, I went into Central Juvenile Hall in Los Angeles and started working with high-risk offenders. These were youth that were facing life sentences, 16 years old, 14 years old. Um, and one young man, he said, you know, he was, you know, grew, grew up in South Central LA and he was walking down the street with a friend of his and a gang, a bunch of guys came around the corner and he and they approached them they had bats you know in their hand they were going to fight his friend who was in a, an opposing gang all right and he said right there he had to make a choice he could either face those guys and get totally beat up or he could run with his friend well what did he do he ran with his friend and from then on he was aligned with that that's at all that it took for him to be aligned with that gang against that other gang. And I think a lot of times we don't understand, you know, we, you know, you see these kids protesting all this. It's, it's an easy thing from the outside um, to get moralized, you know, but when you're living in that situation, it's a very different world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so to, um, and again, it's the it's the common people on both sides who who always suffer. It's the I, I've written over and over again about these leaders. You know, Netanyahu. We saw him give away his people to Pfizer. Yes. 
you know, and so, yes. you know, and we have the leaders of Hamas living it up in Qatar. We see them on video laughing at the at the horrors that were inflicted on these on babies, you know, all of this. And yet there they sit and the leaders are, are making their deals and, and all of this. And, and yet the protests, you know, people who is protesting, who is demanding that they be uh, held accountable, the leaders of Hamas. Mm. Uh, why, why aren't they taken and said, well, we'll give you back your leaders in exchange for the hostages. No one's doing that, you know? Mm. And so, um, so these things are allowed to fester. And, and I think it's interesting also that, um, you know, all the pouring in of these immigrants from that part of the world into Europe, into, into uh, the United Kingdom. Um, and now what do we see? This total destabilization of the area. So, um, you know, you almost kind of think, wow, these things have all come and fit together. Now we see the armies of the world. And in, in the beginning, we saw some support for, for Israel, but we're definitely going to see that support wane as time goes on. But imagine also then again, those soldiers going into those tunnels. I mean, if you research those tunnels beneath that, like, it's like a cancer that that's living there, you know, and for the sake of the Palestinian people themselves um, to be rid of this cancer. So there, the, this, the, the issue is so complex and, um, and, and our young people are so easily manipulated. You know, um, I, I saw a video of kids walking out from a high school in New York. The women are wearing, I mean, the girls, they're, wear, they're all covered up, you know, they're wearing the, um, I, I mean, they, they, they're so impressionable. They have no idea what they're, even what they're protesting about, you know, so it, it, do, it's, it's. Do you not find as well, um, in this age, you know, we talked earlier on briefly about, uh, you know, it's a good thing that your writings, for example, are uh, musings and music and movies and people's opinions are be able to be preserved online. But it's also a medium where people can be uh, indoctrinated very quickly to whatever the current thing is. And if you actually look back to February of uh, 2022, last February, whenever the whole Ukraine-Russia conflict kicked off, prior to that, no one probably could have pointed to Ukraine on a map. No one knew who Vladimir Zelensky was. No one knew anything about uh, the Maidan coup. No one knew anything about Ukraine, period. And then all of a sudden, everybody became a, a, a de facto expert in it because they watched a documentary or two on YouTube or because their favorite commentator was aligning themselves with one side or the other. It's very easy uh, to sway people towards one way of thinking or another. And in the last few years as well, don't you find as well, with regards to what's happening in uh, Israel-Palestine over the last, what, four or five weeks now, this whole business of question everything seems to have almost been thrown out the window now. People are taking as rote uh, statements that the Israeli uh, uh, government are making as being factually correct or that the Palestinian uh, representatives, are just they're not questioning anything. And we've had stories as well. They've been flip-flopping stories. For example, there was a a case of a, a young lady that was captured and abused and, and was killed. Then her parents said, no, she's still alive now. It's turned out she is actually dead. We had the bombing of that hospital was it israel did it was it uh the palestinians did it was the hospital even bombed was it just a car park that was hit was there's many people killed as we thought a lot of confusion and a lot of conflicting stories and in the decapitated baby story as well is it real is it not is it real is it not 
even in this short time, do you not find that the information war has gone into hyperdrive where they're trying to put people into a tailspin now, I believe, that literally you can't really trust anything that's coming out there. We know there's violence and we know there's a lot of people being killed out there. And we know the people that are responsible for it are not being killed. Uh, they're busy uh, hiding in bunkers or sitting on a beach somewhere in a, in a protected environment somewhere. It's a horrific, horrific situation there. And like I said, I don't want to try and be uh, pessimistic about this one, but I'm a realist about this one. And, and I believe I know the way this is all headed. Uh, it's not good for that that part of the world and it will uh those uh eruptions that are happening there are going to affect all of us uh, in the long run are they not absolutely and and obviously you know if you're a christian you see this from a certain perspective you mm-hmm. uh if you've read the bible you mm-hmm. you know you can see what's happen- happening it's it's kind of chilling to actually to watch all of this transpire uh, but you know going back to what you were saying um if you remember how how we have been conditioned, it started with BLM. I remember when everyone was just blocking out, making their profile picture black, showing support for BLM. Before they knew, they didn't know what BLM was, but they had been conditioned. Everybody was doing this. If you did not do that, you were a racist, extremism. If you don't do this, then you must be this. And then it was, you know, Ukraine. Everybody had the Ukraine flag. <laughs> well, if you don't support Ukraine, you must be a Putin lover. You can't. There's no. There's no yeah. middle ground ever anywhere anymore. You know, you can't be just. I mean, you have to be an extremist. And now, every you see the the main thing is Palestinian flag. All of these sort of props that are being used um, by people who, as you say never don't know anything about the history of the region don't know anything about how this how this occurred um you know it kind of upsets me people should honestly if you're an american and you really believe this what you're fighting what what you're standing up for in these protests then you should you know not be a hypocrite you should give all the land back to the native americans (laughs) you know i mean what happened what did we do in our country the hypocrisy of it is yeah, yeah, to go to 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 start telling other countries this, this is what Americans do. Yeah, well, you, you know, we we have this sort of righteous attitude. We're going to fix this. We're going to tell you how you're you're going to do things. And um, but but in the meantime, you know, other countries look at the United Nations and the United the United States and say what hypocrisy. You know, um, look at what Biden did in Afghanistan. He abandoned thousand or our, our armies but we abandoned thousands of uh of of afghanis who had who had helped americans just left them there and left thousands of americans there we, yeah, we, and then the you americans didn't hear say, another word heard, no. heard not another word about it left weapons there that are now being used you know the weapons that were you know sold to there i wrote about there's a whole black market a huge it's like one of the hugest black markets in the world for weapons the ukraine those weapons are ending up you know in the hands of terrorist groups like hamas i mean and there's lots of people making a lot of money off of this that, that don't want it to stop anytime soon i mean they they only want an escalation of, of these types of horrors that they don't care so um but in but in but then you see um you know if 
I always say like, if that war, it's one thing to talk ideologically or philosophically, but when that war comes to your doorstep, whether you, what, what do you do? All of that goes out the window. You fight, you know, you fight for your family or you're a coward and you hide or you fight for your family. And, and this, and we are forced into these positions. We are mm-hmm. forced into these positions by, by the, you know, by the elites above. But it's also in those moments that that people become courageous, that they, you know, that they find out it's in those moments, those those most horrible moments of your life. Mm. That's the dichotomy of being a human on this planet mm-hmm. that that, you know, those courageous moments and that where you rise up against um uh, you know the establishment or whoever whatever you want to call it and and you fight against that so and this is the history over and over again of the human race and until we solve that those root problems you can change governments all you want and think that you're going to get something better it will never change until we change the heart of uh, of people their their heart you know yeah you got to get to the root you know i use that analogy a lot here it's like weeds in your garden you know you can cut the heads off them you can mow the lawn and they're gone but unless you rip them out by the roots tomorrow they're going to spring back up again and you're just going to be repeating the same process of cutting growing and cutting and growing until you get the spade out or you get the poison out and you deal with the the weed at root level, and unfortunately, most of the problems in the world at the minute aren't being dealt with at the root level. They're dealt with superficially on the surface level, and that's why we keep getting them reoccurring over and over again. Oh, we've got to take a little uh, ad break right now, and when we come back, I want to look at some other stuff that you've been working on because you've been very prolific in some of your writings. So I want to touch on some of the other pieces that you've been doing. So please stay tuned for more here on uh, TNT Reading. We'll be right back after this short break. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Children, children, settle down. No more Trump chants. We really, really want to hear from these candidates on the stage, and they worked really hard for us tonight. Children, settle down. Last night's third Republican debacle proved in large part by the performance of Vivek Ramaswamy just how irrelevant these so-called Republican debates are. Vivek took the GOP and the moderators hard into the corner before boarding them. He called out Ronna McDaniel for her consistent track record of failure and offered to give her his time so that she could come to the stage and resign. And then he said to the moderators that they should be replaced by Joe Rogan, Tucker Carlson, and Elon Musk. But his best line of the night was saying, if you want to elect Dick Cheney in three-inch heels, we've got two on stage tonight, referring to Nikki Haley and Ron disappoints us. Nicely played, Vivek. I see what you did there. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Last week, Brandon met a girl on a dating app. One day after work, he finally found the courage to ask her out. No answer. He started to panic. Was he being too pushy? Maybe it was too... Hey, sorry I didn't respond. I was driving. I would love to go on a date. How does tonight sound? Brandon tried to play it cool, but inside he knew. A girl so smart, so responsible. She must be a keeper. Informative and engaging. Rick Munn. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. 
Okay, I'm talking with Karen Hunt here this morning or the, in the middle of the night and her time. She's very kindly get, agreed to get up between 3 and 4 a.m. just to talk to me. She always does and huge amount of respect to her and a big TNT salute uh, to Karen for doing that. We've been talking about uh, legacy stuff, how we can uh, immortalize ourselves to a degree on the internet with what we write and what we say and what we uh, the messages that we're bringing out. And also you mentioned a very important thing, Karen, uh, that people are trying to erase our histories. They're trying to rewrite our histories now and maybe they'll do a reasonably good job of it but i don't know that they'll get to everybody that's ever said anything that's reinforced what the truth is so that's what we can do here and even these shows here uh, on tnt as well they're on a permanent library as well people will be able to access them hopefully for a long time to come maybe they can use these shows even as reference points in the future. Uh, let's look at uh, some tech stuff because uh, techie stuff is something that we've discussed on and off as well since you've started coming onto the show last year. Uh, Zuckerberg's mystical, magical metaverse is everyone's hell on earth. Now, when Zuckerberg uh, punted this idea out there, it seemed to be a great flop. It didn't really seem to take on the way people thought that it would. But I don't think really people are uh, looking at the big picture in this one. They're imagining people with VR headsets on sitting in their house and never leaving and living in the metaverse. It doesn't necessarily work like that. Uh, there was an interview that was done uh, with Lex Friedman, I think it was. Uh, so he said you could theoretically speak with dead loved ones, for example. And Zuckerberg said, yeah, that's known as playing God, which we may get in trouble for developing. So again, this is one of the root problems with man. They always try to attain uh, the status of the Almighty, to ascend into heaven, uh, to build towers up to heaven, and uh, to recreate creation, etc., etc. Now we have it here with the metaverse, maybe trying to reincarnate the dead, uh, necromancy and all that sort of business uh, through the metaverse. Uh, is this one doomed to failure as well? Will this one end up like the Tower of Babel, do you think? Or uh, will they manage to ascend into the, the highest of heavens with this project <laughs> of theirs? What do you think? <clears throat> well, I, I don't think they'll succeed. I mean, they're, they're only succeeding in just making a huge big mess. <laughs> That's yeah. what they're doing. But... Um, but I think it was, it's really interesting. I found this interview, uh, Zuckerberg with Lex Friedman. And, and if you can, I really encourage people to look at it because they're doing it in the metaverse. Okay. So like a year ago, I was writing about this when people were, when he, when Zuckerberg first came out with this and people were making fun of it, it was so hokey looking and he looked so ridiculous in his sort of cartoony, uh, you know, persona avatar. But, um, and I said, mark my words, the, you know, this is the future future, the future that they see, if not with uh, the metaverse with something else or with a combination of various things. And sure enough, it, it, look at the interview, they look uh, so real, these these avatars and that's just the beginning of what of what he's um working on and what's what i found the most interesting about it is this sort of melding because i talk i write a lot about this of um reality and this sort of fantastical you know the, this fantasy world and and he's and and zuckerberg is making the case that re reality is not just what you see in the real world he's trying to change what reality actually is to be something that melds these two worlds together and if you take that in conjunction with what you know like um 
with what Elon Musk is doing with Neuralink, where he clearly states, and, and he now has, what I don't know, a thousand or I don't know how many people lined up to to be ex experimented mm -hmm. on, like he had the monkeys experimented on, mm -hmm. to be have these things inserted into their brain. So if you sort of look at look at the combination of these things, they're all going towards this point of trying to transcend uh, uh, this physical world and create something else that they can exist in, you know, and um, so that they can essentially live, live forever, live beyond the, the, uh, you know, the, 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 the limitations of hmm. their, of their flesh and blood, basically. Hmm. And so, and this is, again, as we say, goes back to the Garden of Eden and, and Satan saying, you know, surely you shall not die. Surely you can be like God, you can be God. And this, and we can see this down through history very clearly. You can, you don't have to be a Christian to see, you know, you, you take, if you take all of that away, if that bothers you, look at it just from the perspective of, Nobody wants to die, you know, it's a scary, you know, people, it, that is the ultimate unknown. So people are trying to find ways. And if you have enough money and you have everything else in the world, imagine how frustrating it must be <laughs> to know you're going to die just like everybody else. So yeah. this is, you know, more than any time in history, they, they are at the point where they think that they can make this happen and they're determined to do it. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And this is like something that goes back through, you know, millennia. People have been trying to do this, but now they've actually got the technology that they actually think that they're on the cusp of immortalization through technology. And do you not find as well uh, that this whole business with AI, you know, again, it's a little bit like uh, Ukraine, Russia. And I keep using that as a point of reference because it, nobody knew about it. And then all of a sudden, everybody knew about it. Now, a lot of people have been following the tech side of things for a long time, but they've been uh, blowing the trumpet of alarm on that. But not a lot of people paid it a lot of attention. But now it seems to be, Karen, I believe 2022, 2023, very many more people are becoming aware of it. And they're accelerating that process of development uh, with AI. People are talking about, oh, the, you know, they're worried about a Terminator type scenario where the machines take over the world and wipe everybody out. I don't know that it'll get to that point, but certainly it's uh, putting a lot of people's jobs at risk at the moment, for example, and it's causing a lot of uh, unsettling among people. It's causing, it's a big diversion maybe from other things that are going on too. It's real. And I think mm -hmm. it's something that we need to be wary of, but I think we're a long way off, uh, you know, Terminator 1 scenarios, you know, with the, 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 the Cyberdyne systems trucks going over the skulls of the people of Los Angeles, you know, while uh, pockets of resistance are in foxholes throwing little petrol bombs at them and the off chance they might take one out. But it is something that's developing at a rapid speed. And I don't think uh, it will be fully utilized for good uh, or am I being pessimistic on that? <laughs> What a crazy idea. It's not going to be fully utilized for good. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I have, I've been really fascinated with these guys like Vitalik, Vitalik Buterin, who, who um, started it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have, I've been really fascinated with these guys like Vitalik 
Vitalik Buterin, who who um, started Ethereum, uh, you know, he tells a story of uh, like the story, sort of the story of his life in a nutshell. You know, he was one of the, those kids playing video games, and he got really upset. I don't remember what the name of the video game was, but that he felt like he was slighted, and this is in his own. Um, you know, he he harps upon this point in his own bio that he was slighted by, and he realized he wanted to create his own thing so that other people couldn't, you know, uh, take advantage of him and all of this kind of thing. So he started. He th that's the basis of how he started Ethereum on of a slight from a video game, you know, psychologically. And and I feel like these guys they they want us all inside their video game, you know, and they want us all to be characters inside their world and people are sort of flocking towards it but we were but people were taken in i mean we all bought our smartphones we all mm -hmm. bought our you know we we all started our you know watched tv you know fascinated by uh, what a fascinating thing how did the picture get into the tv you know it, it's 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 it is like magic it really is like magic you know and so this grew and grew and grew and grew and grew like like things do but as things grow unfortunately with humanity you know the more powerful uh certain people become in certain areas the more they use it for the wrong purposes now why that is I, I wish it wasn't like that but it is like that and so they even talk about you know elon musk and a bunch of these other leaders you know they signed they signed these big papers for, to, to the un like concerned about smart weapons oh we need to pull back we need to stop doing this we need give us give a six month break you know from this technology in the meantime they're probably thinking in the back of their head oh i hope they take this on because we're going to keep on i'm going to keep on going so i can get ahead of everybody else which is the same thing that nations do when they, you know, say we're going to sign these treaties. Do, do you think they really stop? They don't stop. <laughs> you know, they just think that they can somehow get ahead of the other guy. So, um, so this is the mentality that we have. And I think that the higher up you get, the more uh, powerful power you get, the more paranoid you become that you're going to lose that power. And that relates to ev ev every area of life. Um, and it relates in, especially to the tech world because there is so much that um, there's there's so much in there that that they think that they can answer the secrets to life with that and also with with um, um, bio bioscience you know these two areas and combining those as well you know creating a superhuman creating a superhuman to meld a human with a machine. And, um, you know, th this is like incredible stuff. It's science fiction stuff come to life. It, it is. Uh, you know, it's <clears throat> the good thing about this, too, is there's always a weakness and there's always a chink in every armor uh, of everything that rises up against uh, mankind. And uh, just we don't really have much time left, but uh, Musk is launching his new cyber truck, uh, which people are scrambling to get. It weighs, you know, I don't know how much, three and a half tons. It's got so much horsepower. It's bulletproof. One of the selling points in this thing is that the whole body's constructed out of the steel and that it's bulletproof. And they were testing it, shooting machine guns against it. And then somebody asked him the question, which was very uncomfortable. He says, is the glass bulletproof as well? 
He said, <laughs> no, it's just the doors. He says, now, if you want bulletproof glass, it's an option, but it's very difficult because the windows can't go up and down. It'll add so much weight, et cetera. So think about that just for a minute. It's all fine <laughs> sitting in a bulletproof car, but if the glass isn't bulletproof, <laughs> That's those hilarious. bulletproof doors don't do any good whatsoever. You just get shot through the glass. So with all these conspiracies, uh, not conspiracies, with all these um wicked schemes uh, of people and things that are happening in it. I mean, it always remembered there's always a weakness and a weak point. And even old Superman himself had kryptonite that was his big downfall. <laughs> and every wicked uh, genius out there has their kryptonite, Karen. And it's worth remembering that at this point in time as well. Listen, we're up to time in this one. So Elon, if you're listening, you might want to invest in some bulletproof glass. Otherwise, the whole bulletproof thing just falls on its face for the Cybertruck. So Karen, big thanks to you again for joining me. Follow her please on her Substack page and subscribe to her and support her. K-H-Mezek, M-E-Z-E-K.substack.com. I'll let you get off to uh, get some sleep now, which I'm sure you're very, very tired. I really appreciate you joining me. We'll stay in contact. That was Karen Hunt. I'm Rick Munn. This is TNT Radio. James Freeman's incoming, and I'll be back again tomorrow at 9 a.m. UK time. Please be there, and don't go away. More to come. TNT. Thank you, Karen. Thank you.